0: God's Word, the end of a life. If you have a Bible with you, please turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. As you're turning there, let me just say that there was this man that we're going to look at as we read here, a man whose name was John, and a couple of things about him. First of all, he was a distant relative of Jesus. Jesus' mother and John's mother were cousins. We don't know if they were first cousins, second, or so forth, but they were distantly related. They lived at the same time. They were approximately the same age. John, perhaps just a little bit older. But, but it's, it's not John's family relation that necessarily made him memorable. That was a part of it, but, but that wasn't the main thing that that made his life so significant, it was John's ministry that set him apart. John was a prophet, kind of a, of the Old Testament variety. He, he was a man who would call people back to God. And this was a large part of his ministry. He, he would call people to repentance, and, and then he would baptize them in water as a Declaration of their of their repentant hearts, and in, in fact, that's why we call him John the Baptist. Uh, Baptist was not his last name; it was not his denomination. He was John the Baptizer, hence the John the Baptist. It's how we know him. Uh, in, in fact, John not only baptized hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people. Uh, he also baptized Jesus. What, what a unique distinction, to baptize Jesus. Now, please understand, Jesus did not need, uh, was, did not need to repent. Uh, he had never sinned. Uh, but Jesus allowed himself to be baptized as, a, as an indication of his humility. I think that's, that's very apparent. But also, Jesus was baptized as, a, as an example to us. And it marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry. John was rather well-known at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He was more well-known than Jesus. But then as Jesus grew in notoriety, he, John decreased. But he baptized Jesus. John the Baptist, there's a lot that I could say about him, but John the Baptist was a godly and faithful and fearless and humble man. And and, and there's so much about him, and almost all of it is extremely admirable. And the end of his life, not the beginning, the end of his life is recorded here in Mark chapter 6. Now, in a moment we're going to read, but I, I need to give you a little bit of backstory, not only to who John is and what he did, But also, I want to give you the backstory to another person that we're going to read about in a moment, a man called Herod. Herod, you need to understand this before we read, Herod was a puppet king over the Jewish people. Uh, The the, the Jewish people at this point were controlled by the Roman Empire, and Herod, this so-called king of the Jewish people was really a a puppet of the emperor. The emperor, in this case, Tiberius over in far off Rome. Now, again, there's a lot that I could say about Herod, but but Herod, one thing, he was hated by most of the Jewish people. Herod, in fact, was the opposite, he was the, the polar opposite of John the Baptist. If John the Baptist was godly and humble and, and uh, fearless and faithful, Herod, we, we see from Scripture, there's a couple different Herods, but this one particularly, Herod was the opposite. Herod was wicked, Herod was ruthless, Herod was prideful, and Herod was perverse. And I could, I could drill down on each one of those, but just trust me in this. This was this, was this person named Herod. And they're the two persons who who factor very large in this story. Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 17, reads this way. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. Herod did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had Let me just pause there. You understand Herod had taken his brother's wife as his own wife. It was his wife, it was his sister-in-law, it was kind of messed up here. And Philip wasn't dead at the time. For John had been saying to Herod, John the Baptist had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias, that is Herod's wife slash sister-in-law, So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to do so because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing John to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. He didn't like what he said, but he liked to listen to him. Verse 21. Yeah, 21. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, Herodias answered. At once, the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her, so... He immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. And On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it into a tomb. Lord, I ask that you will now in these moments speak to our hearts this, this eternal truth, this, this story of a, the end of a man's life that is recorded for a purpose. This tragedy, Lord, would you, would you help us to understand it in, in great perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to tell you something, I don't like this story. I don't like this story. It's not that I don't like it because it's not true. It is true. Every word of it is true. I just don't like how it ends. I don't don't like this kind of a story. It's truth, I'm grateful for it. It's God's word, it's inspired scripture. There's a reason for it and we'll get to that but I, I just don't like this story. I don't like how it ends. You see, you have to understand, I like it, I really like stories where good people, in, uh, where I don't like stories where good people endure suffering and, and I don't like it when bad people win and where evil seems to prevail over good. I like, I like stories where, I, I, I don't know if you're this way, when I'm reading a, a, a novel or when I, I, I'm watching a movie, I want the good guys to win and the bad guys to lose. That's how I like it. In, in fact, if you, have, if you have any kind of storyline where the, the good guy always loses and the bad guy always wins, it probably will not sell very well. Because just naturally, we don't like when bad people seem to win and and good people seem to lose. I like true stories that are finished and resolved. That are all tied together and, and, and they, they all live, so to speak, happily ever after. And I really like if, it, if it's in one hour segments. There it is. It's all done. Mark chapter Six verses 17 through 29 that we just read, bothers me for two reasons. First of all, John could have done so much more. We know that he is about 32, perhaps 31 years old at this time. Now that's, that's young. That, that's very young. And, 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 and even at that time, they, they, they would live into, into older years far beyond the early 30s. And so as I read this story and, and, and read how they, they cut his head off and they put it on a platter and bring it in like some grisly trophy, I can't help but wonder what could have been. I mean, there's so much unrealized potential in this man's life. There, there, were, there were certainly other, not everybody in this region had repented. There were still thousands that had yet to repent. There were still thousands of people that, that needed to know about Jesus who, who John the Baptist essentially introduced to the world. And I look at this, and just from my limited standpoint, I think to myself, I wonder how much more he could have helped Jesus here in the early part of his ministry and throughout his ministry. Even, even, even after Jesus died and rose again from the dead and, and ascended into heaven. I, I wonder, you know, John the Baptist could have been a player. John the Baptist could have been one of those who took the gospel to far distant places as well, like many of the disciples, but but it didn't happen here. It didn't happen because. Mark chapter 6, it says that they killed him. John the Baptist was dead. Now that, that's one reason why I know that it's truth and I, and I regard it as such and, I, and, and I, I honor it. It is God's word, but it's one of the reasons why this story, this how it ends, bothers me. The second reason is that it bothers me is there seems to be no justice here. You you just look at this in the natural and you go, where's the justice? Bad guy wins, good guy loses. Herod, at the end of the story, was still on his ungodly throne while John's head was separated from his body. And when you look at it, just this part of it, this this part of their stories, you, you look at this and you go, the injustice is just absolutely appalling. I don't like it. Glad it's there, but I don't like how it ends. It's just not right. It's as if it's as if there's there's no there's no closure to this this story. That word closure is used a lot. If, if you start listening for it you, you'll hear it a great deal sometimes it's I think appropriate sometimes not closure means to come to a sense of resolution or completion it, it, it means it, it, it comes to there's there's a resolve uh, there's resolution there's there's a completion it's it's tied off on minute fifty nine and and I feel good how it that that that's that's what we call closure. Closure means that you come to terms with something, even a tragic thing, you come to terms with it, you understand it, you accept it, it's completed, it's done. And with closure, then there's usually this understanding that with closure, then, we can move on. But this reference, Mark Chapter six, verses seventeen through twenty-nine, seems to have no, no closure. And, and 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 sometimes that that closure is is frequently not limited just to a few references in scripture, but sometimes we see it in our own lives. I haven't gotten to the good part, the encouraging part, the hope part yet, but stay with me. But but let me ask you this. How many times, don't raise your hands, just in your minds, how many times have there been things that you have prayed for, things that you have brought before the Lord and you've believed for with tremendous faith, but you have yet to see the answer? I've been there. There's there's a couple of things that have been on my prayer list for decades. People who are close to me that I've been bringing before the Lord for decades. And have yet to see that prayer answered. It it, it seems so unfinished. It, It seems like... I believe for it. I trusted God for it. You've trusted God for things. You believe for them. You've pled with God. You've prayed, and yet it's still unfinished. It's, it's still incomplete. You, you wonder when's the answer going to come? There's, it's, like, it's like God put this burden in your heart for something to pray for. You know that as you pray, the, the Spirit of God registers in your heart that you are praying according to God's will. You know this that it's the right thing to do. And you know that you're in the right doing it, but it's not happened yet. There's not closure. There's not, all right, we did it. Let's let's move on. But I need to say this. Sometimes God begins things in us that will only be fulfilled in someone else at some later time. See that? God begins things in us that will only be fulfilled in someone else at some later time. You have to understand here, Jesus, as I pointed out earlier, his his ministry was, was growing in influence. Word of Jesus was spreading rapidly while John the Baptist's influence was on the wane. In fact, John the Baptist had said, he must increase while I decrease. And he was okay with that. You see, because Jesus' Jesus's influence grew. A part of what John the Baptist began was completed, not in his lifetime, because it ends here in Mark chapter 6, but it it was fulfilled in Jesus' lifetime. In fact, did you know this, that some of the disciples of John the Baptist became disciples of Jesus? Some of what those disciples did, the places that they would go in the decades that followed, the the ways in which they would pray for people and they were healed and demons were cast out and lives changed and families saved and, and, and destinies redirected happened in part because there was this man named John who was sent from God who spoke for God and baptized people and died young. Sometimes God begins things in us that will only be fulfilled in someone else at some later time. Are there some promises God has given you? You know they're from Him, but they've yet to be fully realized? Let me explain it this way. When I was a boy, my parents farmed in Minnesota. Late one fall, after the harvest was complete, my father was not no-till at that time. They plowed everything. At the end of the year, the harvest was over. My father plowed his fields in preparation for the next spring's planting. Also, after all of that was done, he cleaned off his tractors, all of the harvest equipment. He repaired and he restored all of the machinery in anticipation of the coming year. But my father never drove his tractor in those fields again, because that winter he sold his farm. So when spring arrived, when the next spring came about, someone else planted in the fields my father had prepared. And months after that, someone else experienced the harvest that my father had a small part in. And I want you to understand that there may be some things right now that some of you are faithfully preparing. There are some of you that are doing things that God has put in, you, in your heart and you are faithfully carrying those things out. You're diligently doing them. You're doing what God has called you to do. But I want you to understand, and please don't take this as a discouragement, but rather as an encouragement. God may have someone else fully realize that thing that he put in your heart. Some of the promises and the plans that God has placed in your heart right now may not be seen by you this side of heaven. Just This last week I was reading in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, it says this, uh, it says, God knows our beginning from our end. Or actually, it says he knows our end from our beginning. Kind of an issue, it turned around. He knows our end from our, he knows both ends of our lives. <laughs> A, a, a little baby and 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 a and a, and a, and a teen something and, and and quite possibly a person. He knows our end from our beginning. And so this morning, I'm I'm placing this before you and I'm I'm saying, will you trust him with your story? I mentioned a moment ago. I don't like this story. Now, I, I I love God's word. I just don't like how it ends, but but can we trust him with our story even if our story ends in the way that we would not like? Can we still trust him that though the story ends as far as I'm concerned here or that, that he uses me to take something as far as he would have me take it or you take it, will you trust him that, that God will take whatever that dream is and perhaps through another, perhaps through you, perhaps in your lifetime, but perhaps after your lifetime, will you trust him with your story? Will you trust the Lord that the promise will be fulfilled in his time and in his way rather than your own? Remember how we like it? We like it all in one-hour segments with the good guy always appearing to win. But will you trust God with your story in his time and in his way rather than your own. I'm going to go back to Mark chapter 6 for a moment. You know, you look at this and you read it through as we did this morning, and there's a great sense of an injustice that was being done here as well. I mean, this is, in fact, if you're going to classify it, this is a class one injustice. Someone loses their life for speaking truth. I mean, here's this two-bit potentate on this ungodly throne, and, and it's it's like this it's like this first century soap opera going on. He looks over at his sister-in-law and says, You're cute, why don't you become my wife? And she leaves her husband, goes and gets and and and, and becomes married, married to her to her, her I mean, it's just a mess. And then and then his stepdaughter slash niece comes. I mean, it's just a mess. And and the, the Bible indicates that he, he was he was quite Quite possibly, scholars have said he was quite possibly drunk, which is why he offered up to half of his kingdom, and and, and it was was probably a sexually charged atmosphere. This is a whacked out place. And here's this person, this this evil, evil, despicable man who kills this godly, faithful, and humble man. Class one injustice because he spoke truth. You may already know this. If you don't, you're going to hear it for the first time. But if you do know this, then every one of us need to be reminded. Everyone on multiple occasions throughout life will be injured or offended by someone or something. Okay, just just let that roll into you. Everyone on multiple occasions throughout your life, will be injured or offended by someone or something. It may not mean to the, be to the point of an offense where your head is separated from your body, but someone's going to hurt you. <laughs> someone's going to say something, do something, not do something, not say something, imply something, <laughs> accuse you of something, and it's going to hurt. It may be a person. It may be an organization. It may be a government, but no one is exempt. You can't get through this life without being hurt by someone or something. When that happens, when that happens, I think it's how we're wired, it's how God made us, but again, that's that, that, that fallen nature too. When, when some kind of an offense happens, something said or done, by an entity or a person when it happens we naturally want resolution we want a satisfactory conclusion maybe maybe even more so in our culture which i think is a very good culture because we're we're we're, we're ruled by we, we it's, it's the rule of law and that we have certain things and we justice is very much a part and 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 fairness is very much a part of our our culture, and I'm grateful for that, but maybe we're even more a little bit open to this. We want a satisfactory conclusion. We want our day in court, whether it's an official court or just a, a hearing of our peers, we want a satisfactory conclusion. We want closure. We want to be done with this. We want to be able to move on. We want someone to issue an apology, or we want someone to make restitution. We want it to be made right how we're wired. Well, I have news for you. There's a good chance it won't happen. Now again, you're going, man, this is just really encouraging. No, it's true. There's a good chance that it won't happen. The person who said that thing, did that thing, or the group that did that thing or said that thing, or the the organization that disappointed you somehow is there's a good chance that they or that person will not come to you and say, I am so sorry, we done you wrong. It's a good chance that won't happen. In fact, in some cases, there will be some people that will say, I would rather die than to come to you and say, I was wrong. In some cases, it simply can't happen because the person or the organization that did it is long gone. But we want closure. and Yet many of the offenses that come your way, come our way, will not have a satisfactory conclusion. You may want closure, but you're not always going to get it. Or at least get it in the way that you would like it. I'm going to go to a different reference here. But it relates. You'll see. We don't know the backstory to 2 Timothy chapter 4, but we know just enough to that there was a there was a man named Alexander. He was a metal worker who had apparently done something to hurt or injure the apostle Paul. It was long after the events of Mark chapter 6. But someone named Alexander who worked with metal had deeply hurt the Apostle Paul. We don't know the offense. It's not recorded. But here's what Paul wrote. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm the lord will repay him according to his deeds if if by the way this to some of you is somewhat familiar i pointed it out briefly a few weeks ago on a on a wednesday night it came up it's a powerful statement and i want you to not only hear but to see this first it's a powerful declaration I want you to notice, please, in this text, and this is really about all that there is to it, notice how Paul puts no timeline on his statement. He didn't write, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay Alexander by sundown on Friday. He he, he doesn't, he he, he leaves that to the Lord. The Lord will repay him. And, And also please notice that Paul didn't say how the Lord should repay the man. Paul, Paul, like, you know, Paul did not write, the Lord will repay Alexander with itching boils in the middle of his back where he cannot reach them. Or the Lord will repay Alexander the coppersmith for the harm that he did to me by his nose rotting off of his. You no, know, he doesn't do that. He may have, I, I, he may have wanted that, but he, he didn't. He left, Paul left the how and the when to the Lord. He didn't deny that there was an offense. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Comma. The Lord will repay him. He, he knew that God was going to deal with it. He left it to the Lord. Now here's, here's the thing. <laughs> know, maybe when we get to heaven they will still be important. Probably not. But I, I kind of wonder whatever happened to Alexander the coppersmith? Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) I'd like to know. That'd be interesting. Maybe his nose did fall off. I don't know. But the Lord did deal with it. And while I don't know what happened to Alexander the coppersmith, I'm very confident of what happened to Paul. Now, Now, get a hold of that. I know something happened to Paul when he wrote those words. Inspired of the Holy Spirit, here's what I'm pretty sure happened. As he wrote that down, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Let me tell you what happened to Paul. There was a release. There was a release. I'm going to let God deal with that. I paraphrase, but that's what he said. He hurt me, man. He wounded me deep, but I'm going to let the Lord deal with that. And with his words, with his pen, with his heart, he gave that to the Lord. He surrendered it to God. He said, here, I I don't want to carry this anymore. Maybe this morning, You have carried something for a while. Perhaps there is some hurt, some offense, some injustice. Maybe it was, in fact, often it's someone who was close to us. Strangers can't hurt us. friends and family, people close in can. People who take something from us, who say something about us, take something that can never be replaced, we can carry that. And maybe you've been carrying something for a while. Maybe someone, figuratively speaking, took your head off. And you want justice. You want resolution. I want, I want this to be made right. But you're not getting it. and So you just keep carrying it around. You just keep taking it with you wherever you go. Shared this before. Sometimes in within just a few moments of conversation, you pull it out and go, look what Alexander the coppersmith did to me. Paul didn't do that, but I'm using that as an example. Look what this person did to me. Look what my sibling did to me. Look what my parent did to me. Look what my grandparent did to me. Look what my ex did to me. Look what that boss did to me. Look what that job did. Look what that state that look what they did to me. Some of you may even be look what that church did to me. You've been carrying that thing around for so long. You're waiting for the day when it'll be made right. But I have some really good news for you this morning. Here's the best part: you don't have to carry it around anymore. You know, really, I mean, this is so freeing because you just don't have to carry that around anymore. In so many cases, there is absolutely nothing, in, in, in fact, in almost every case, there's nothing you can do to undo what was done. It was done. It's, it happened. They said it, did it. Can't undo it. Can't unsay it. But you don't have to carry it. The Lord, in His time and in His way, can take it from here. Yeah, they hurt me. They hurt me deeply. It's, it's, it, it's a part of my life, but, but the Lord will repay that. The, the, the Lord's going to take care of it. They, they, can't, they can't pay me back. It's not possible they're not going to. But the Lord's going to make it right. Right. Right now, some of you may be saying, because every time I've touched on something like this over the years, someone has come up to me afterwards and said something, and you might be saying this something right now, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. And you're right, I don't. But I know what God's Word says. I know what God's Word says. And I know that we serve a healer. A healer of bodies. And if the Savior who can raise a little girl from the dead, and if a Savior can heal a woman with just a touch, her touch on him who'd been sick for 12 years, if Jesus can do that to a body, can He not also do it to a heart? Can He not also do that to a mind? And if you think that you're going to forget it, forget it, you won't forget it. It's short of dementia. You will not forget (coughs) what was done, but you don't need to carry it anymore. He's a healer, he heals both hearts and minds, and he will. In his time and in his way, he will make all things right. See, this really calls for divine perspective. As followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot look at things, justice, with the parameters of this life. There are some things that will not be made right in this life, but in time, he will make all things right. And he will bring justice to whomever or whatever brought about the injustice. He will, in his time, And in his way, make all things right. So closure, well, this side of heaven, some things may never have closure. We're never promised that, this side of heaven. Sometimes, some things in our lives have sad endings. And sometimes, oftentimes, it's not wrapped up in a nice, neat little package where The good guys win and the bad guys always lose. Sometimes it's not wrapped up in one-hour segments. In fact, frequently. We're not promised justice or closure this side of heaven. But we can have. And what is promised, we can have healing and we can have peace. And I would rather have his healing and his peace than closure. I would rather have his healing and his peace upon me rather than my day in court. I want to choose his healing and his peace over, over my resolution. Restitution and closure. Late last night, I reading and I read this. John 14, listen to it. John 14, verse 27. Jesus said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it. See, uh, the world says, you want peace, you got to have closure. You want peace, you have to have justice. You want peace, you need resolution. And then maybe you'll have peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, unqualified. Not as the world gives it, I give it to you. This morning, I've come to a point in the service where I want this now to not only be in your ears and in your hearts, but in your life. I'd like you to bow your heads as our music, our our worship team prepares themselves for we want to go to a place of prayer. And Lord, now as we Our hearts are being, have been, even from the very moment we woke up this morning, Lord, I believe that you have been preparing our hearts for what you have in these moments ahead. Lord, almost no one in this sanctuary had any idea that I was going to be sharing this today. When they came this morning, they did not know that I would be sharing about this story how it relates to us. But Lord, I believe that your Holy Spirit did and you've been preparing people for this moment. So now, Lord, as we make our way to a place of prayer and a place of surrender and a place where we walk, so to speak, walk through the emergency room doors into a place of healing, at a place of prayer. Lord, when we're wounded, we, and we realize very quickly we can't fix this. Sometimes even when we think that we can, we still make our way to a place of healing. And Lord, yet too often there have been people who have tried to heal themselves, bury it, pack it around, and they're so weary. They don't even realize how weary they are because they've been carrying this so long, but they're weary, Lord. And today can be a place where the healing begins as they walk through the door and come to a place of prayer. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would stir us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to stand with me, please. In a moment, our worship team is going to lead us again in a song that we sang earlier. And... Um, one of the uh one of the lines from the song says i will bless the lord at all times um, if if uh if you think that uh, you know, you know I, I i had i i i, I it, 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 wouldn't it be crazy if someone on their way with a terrible wound a gash it's gaping it's bleeding and, and they said to the person driving, would you pull over for a while and hand me that sewing kit while I suture this up before we get to the hospital? mean, how crazy that is. And yet sometimes we try and fix ourselves. Would you, would you allow the Lord Jesus to heal you? If you've been carrying something for a long time today, it can be the day in which you no longer carry it. The enemy will try and put it back. I, I warn you ahead of time, the enemy will try and put it back on you. But at that point, again, you'll have to say, no, they did me much harm, but the Lord will repay them. And you may have to say that again. Uh, they did me much harm, but the Lord will... I acknowledge it happened, but the Lord will deal with it. Uh, it yes, it, it still stings a little bit when I think of it, but I'm going to let the Lord carry that. I can't carry it anymore. I, I, I'm looking to the healer rather than the wounder. Let's sing this together. And then and then at the... and then. moment we're going to sing this song we're going to open up these altars I'm going to ask you to come forward we serve a healer we serve one who delivers and sets people free let let nothing distract you from that it's going to take a step of faith for you to step out because right now Right now, you're thinking, I'm going to stay right where I am. I can deal with this. But you've been carrying it too long. We're going to sing this song, and then we're going to open these altars. I'd like you to sing as well. you just to to figuratively and in, in spiritually literally just lay it down here would you just step forward now as we sing again and just lay these things before the lord when you're done praying consider yourselves dismissed if you need to go now you have some other obligations then go but please if, if there is anything if there's anything that that this is the time where you just say lord i leave it here i'm not going to carry it anymore they hurt me they wounded me but now from this point on You're going to deal with it. I can't anymore. Let's sing it together. God bless you as you come. God bless you as you go. God bless you today.
1: Whom have I? Whom have I?